the Augustin Hosinga Show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. Everybody, welcome back to the Agostino Zinger show with I, your host, Agostino Zinger, and this is episode number 681. This is 681 of the Agostino Zinger show with I, your host, Agostino Zinger, and I hope this podcast is finding you well wherever you may be. I hope this podcast is finding you well. How am I? All good, all things considered. All good, all things considered. You know the vibes you know the blood clot vibes usually today for lack of you know for the sake of clarity i'm filming this on a friday evening i should be outside somewhere you know snuzzling my nose into some white powder you know inhaling some tablets through my flipping esophagus or whatever it may be and guzzling under a tap of beer but instead here i am making the podcast and live streaming because you know what i'm a changed man I'm trying to change every single day. It's usually a Monday. I love to do a little turning of the leaf and see if I can go through seven days of non-debaucherous activities. And so far, I'm five days in, two more to go. I'm holding on. And as long as I can hold on for the, you know, the, the flipping hallowed nine days, because they say it's like, you know, the starting blocks of changing habits is around the nine days mark. Then I'm free to kind of go on my merry way and everything becomes easy. I'm a little bit, you know, privileged in that way and I have a little bit more of an advantage in that way because I don't have a big social circle of friends. I think if I did, I'd be a little bit more, you know, I'd have a little bit more chances to slip and slide. But because it's just me and I only have to focus on myself and me and me and me, it makes it far more easier. But I was a little bit, I did feel a little bit better about myself recently um, I randomly um, started posting on IG again because I found IG kind of boring and I've been on Twitter a lot and I'm finding Twitter experience to be really, really fun. I think ever since Elon has taken over, it's gotten a little bit, you know, crazy and a little bit like the Wild Wild West over there. There's a few, you know, hard R, N-words, you know, flipping li- r- flying around way too often for me. Um, there's probably a little bit too much nudity for me sometimes if you like a couple of weird stuff, your algorithms are popping up some mad stuff and you can sometimes see some full, you know, HD, 4K, you know, adult materials on there, which can be a little bit much to see on like a random Wednesday morning. But apart from that, I can't deny, man, like the, the, just the freedom just to kind of be yourself and to try to talk shit and just have some fun and joke around with some other, you know, um, grown people is somewhat of a nice experience. I've been enjoying it far more than IG and it's a shame because IG was always my kind of first social media love, maybe apart from MySpace because I love the idea of sharing pictures and stuff and using filters and kind of having this really nice public visual diary of your life, the ups and the downs and whatnot. And I felt like over the years, for whatever reason, IG turned into like the highlight reel of your life instead of actually a representation or reflection of what you're kind of up to and maybe just you kind of flexing your photography muscles. Now it's just turned into a far side excuse of a TikTok imitation. But 
that aside, it's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere either. So why not just jump back on it and just do the things that I would like to see people do on there. So I'm excited to share a few more pics, share a few more stories and just having some fun, having some fun. And one thing I've been doing quite honestly, which has been good, I've been doing some stuff, which is kind of you maybe ascribe to maybe to get shit posting, but I guess it's like shit IG posting or IG posting. I don't know whatever you, you term the whatever the term of that word is. But what I'm doing now on IG is that I'm purposely posting things on my stories, little memes, little comments and whatnot that I know will piss off some people that I follow. Because I think my IG has a more, I don't know, my IG probably leans a lot more left, even though I'm not really into politics or whatever, and I don't identify either way on a particular, on a political spectrum. I've definitely got way more people who would identify as like left leaning. So I'd post some stuff on there with the sole intention of just annoying someone. And because I'm, you know, what's that thing called? I don't have any like self-confidence issues. I'm not insecure and shit. So I don't ever give a crap or care if anyone unfollows me or blocks me. It's just is what it is, isn't it? You know, social media is what it is. If you want to use it a certain way and you don't want to see some certain content, then cool, do what you want to do. It's your prerogative. But it's just nice to know in the back of my head that the things that I'm posting have potentially got me like unfollowed or blocked. <laughs> it's just hilarious to know that you could post something innocuous on your fucking innocuous, sorry, on your um, IG story and somebody could get so annoyed. They'll be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm unfollowing. Fuck this. I'm blocking, restricting, hide. I've living love that shit. It, it obviously fills me with joy. So I would love to know. I wish there was a way to kind of check how often someone's unfollowing you or how often people unfollow you or when they unfollow you after which post. But I kind of have a feeling which one I'm doing at the moment. So if you want to see some fun stuff, some cool stuff, some hot stuff, some cheeky stuff, definitely check out my Instagram, which is my name, Agassino Zinger. So Instagram.com, Fortress Agassino Zinger. Search me on there, all one word. You're able to find me um, nice and cool, nice and calm. Check my IG stories and you shall see me going flipping crazy on there, turning my IG stories into like old school Tumblr. You know what I mean? throwing some stuff on there, you know, throwing some lobs on there, getting people to question my my flipping faith, getting people to question my sexuality, getting them to question my political leanings, getting them to question who I like as an artist, my view on society, everything. Just throw, throw stuff out there. Shit, post, shit, post, shit, post. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing and I've been flipping loving every minute of it. One thing I haven't been loving is been checking social. Now back on IG, I realized this is why I don't like to flip and check IG. IG is the home, is the flipping center of flipping FOMO. Like that is the cathedral of FOMO is flipping Instagram. And now that it's festival season, I'm seeing all these amazing clips and pictures of people having a blast out there in all these festivals and stuff. And it's got me thinking, damn son, I need to be out there in some flipping dusty field somewhere in a horrible tent smelling like BO because I haven't showered for four days surrounded by twitchy white people who are all wearing dr martins and like adidas shorts but they think they look really cool <laughs> as i'm there on my own sipping on my little drink that i'm flipping pre-mix myself sweating my face off of the ketamine i just had on a coach i need to be there i need to be amongst my fellow delinquents my fellow um you know my fellow flipping caners i need to be there man there's some good ones happening melts happening at the moment out there in berlin there's another one called Got what Got is it called Gotwood? Is it called Gotwana? I think it's called Got let me see his name. I think it's called Gotwana. Let me see. Gotwana Festival. 
I think it's in Berlin, which I've been recommended to go to a few. No, so it's called, sorry, it's called Gondwana. Nation of Gondwana is happening too in a few weeks, 21st to the 23rd of July. Um, so I'm looking forward to going that really. But this one called Melt um, Festival out there in, in, in Germany, not Berlin, because it's a bit out, out of Berlin, looks flipping fantastic. They've, they've really done well in terms of selling the festival too, because I think... The other one that I want to go to in flipping Holland called Dre Molin. I think it's, that's what the name of it's called. They don't really have the bestest social media posts to find out what the vibe is like. They've got some good after movies, but Instagram, social media wise, there's not a lot of content on there to make you feel like, oh my God, I want to go. But I'm still going because the lineup is sick. Everything's back to back. Loads of DJs. It's going to be flipping mad. And it's in Amsterdam, which is a place I've never been to. So I want to just kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone. But this Melt Festival, they sell it really well. I know it's been running for a long time. I think it's like in its 25th year or something. So I'm not saying anything that no one doesn't know. But the IG, they've done a really good job of like, you know, showcasing what the festival's about. They've got this girl basically, you know, acting as a host, um, you know, parading around doing her thing. Um, loads of clips from stages and stuff of people playing. And I like it, man. It looks like an absolute vibe. Let me see if it plays on my flipping horrendous computer. I'm going to quickly load up the IG now and see if it actually works. Let's see via the Melt Festival, all one word, IG, Instagram account. Let's see if we can check out what the vibe is saying. But last time I did check earlier this morning, it was looking great. Let's put the sound on. Let's see what it says. Yeah, it's not having it really. But, hey. but you can see what I mean, right? Another one. I'm taking a sign off from there. But you, can, you you know what I mean, right? You can see the vibes that people are doing, what's happening and stuff. And all this stuff is giving me the most FOMO in the world. Seeing all these amazing pictures of people having a great time out there at these flipping amazing festivals. But one thing that I realized quite quickly, I was like, you know what? I'm not really equipped yet once it comes to like handling the weather of what to do. Because I haven't been to a camping festival in a very long time. And one thing that happened, especially during the summers, you usually go it's like during the daytime it's like incredibly warm incredibly 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 hot and you have to somehow manage that hotness by usually you know trying to find yourself as close to the beach as possible getting some sage shade sorry but the first thing you should do is definitely get out your tent there is a temptation usually when it's really warm i've seen a couple of videos and some vlogs of some girls who went to festivals from a couple of years ago and they were doing the same thing where it was just getting too warm and they're just like sticking to their tent but that's actually the wrong thing to do you should actually try if you can to get out of your tent and to just go near the water if you're if you're if you're at a festival that's got a beach try and get as close to the beach as possible find some shade um you know have a couple of showers or whatnot but that's what you should be doing you should be out and about as opposed to staying in one place in the tent because you're going to get fucking cooked like a strip of bacon and then the other thing that's annoying about it is that in the evenings usually the temperature drops so you have to kind of pack you know for like two weather conditions at once but usually what most people do is they usually just firm it usually just pack your hot clothes your summer warm clothes and then whatever happens in the evening you just take it so if it rains it rains and then if it's cold it's cold you just keep dancing they take a couple more pills to kind of warm you up or whatever it may be but i'm really looking forward to it um i cannot wait to go again like i said my first one is probably going to be that dre molen festival out there in flipping amsterdam which i'm really looking forward to going to um because i've never actually been to flipping amsterdam in the first place so it'd be a good chance to kind of you know to kill two birds with one stone. but melt looks flapping like a rave so i think most likely next year planning all that stuff because you know you have to plan all this stuff years in advance with me because i you know a little bit a little bit a little bit of a procrastinator um i'm probably gonna add 
Nation of Gondwana onto my list as well for places to go because unfortunately with the UK, although we have great festivals here, you have to spend so much money to go, like places like Houghton and stuff, which as much as I love it, um, I'd much rather sorry, I'd much rather pay five hundred pounds altogether for the ticket, the accommodation, the flights, all that malarkey, maybe a bit of spending money to go abroad, you know, than just stay here at home base kind of thing. Um, I'd much prefer to do it, especially if I've got the flexibility with jobs and stuff to kind of do so because I'm working from home or I'm doing part time stuff. Like I might as well take advantage of it. So I'm definitely gonna do that going forward. But yeah, Melt Festival looks great. Um, obviously you can't see the videos as good on here on my side because my comp is a bit of a mad one but you get the idea of what I'm looking at you get the idea of what I'm looking at and then on top of that talking about what I'm looking at I randomly stumbled across a friend of a friend's Instagram account and it kind of made me feel a lot better about my decisions to basically chill out on the going out chill out on the getting on it and just become a little bit more grounded and grown up and stuff because i saw some people who you know i'm very close with and stuff before i used to go out with before you know having a good time out there in east london essentially doing the same thing that they, we used to do back in the day and they're still doing it now don't get me wrong they look like they were having a good time they look like they were having a blast and if anything i was feeling a little bit jelly that i hadn't seen these guys in a very very long time and i would love to hang out with them again sometime but i can't deny you know her you know thinking back to like carrying that same level of pace that I was on you know back then a few years ago in Dawson and Shoreditch and stuff it fills me with dread like being you know being that guy that was walking down you know brick lane with a bottle of flipping wine in my hand and stuff thinking that I look cool and trying to do that again nowadays you know because I've been out for like four days and I'm rolling still on this fucking Sunday afternoon I can't do that and I can't picture myself doing this I'm kind of happy that era's over but it was interesting to see that those people still exist and they're still doing the same thing and you know part of me doesn't blame them because I've spoken before about this before on this pod that you know it's really difficult to have hobbies as an adult I think it's something people don't really speak about enough often um but it is so if you do find something that legitimately allows you to meet new people fills up your time gets you out of the house even if it's destructive um, I understand why you continue to do so. I really understand why you continue to do so. So I don't mind it in the slightest. So I saw those guys doing what they're doing. It kind of made me feel like, you know what? I'm kind of glad I don't do that. But also more power to you guys, more power. Um, but yeah, big up everybody in the chat here. Who else is Free Taco? Big up you, Green Free Taco. Big up Cheese Food here. Big up Super Jello as well here. And everybody else tuning in live. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, but then on top of that, what also made me think about this whole thing, right? Was this. I was randomly um, looking back and thinking, you know what, what can I do in terms of an approach? I'm trying to refresh myself in terms of an approach, you know, a kind of grown up um, drug taking, drink, drink inducing um, approach to kind of life, apart from what I usually do, which is kind of abstain for a long time and then go crazy and then abstain and then go crazy, blah, 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 blah. But I'm just trying to think of it more as a methodology and a kind of uh, way of life. And then I remembered, oh yeah, there was this legendary episode of How Long Gone, with um the musician John Vanderslice. It legitimately might be the greatest of all time podcast appearance from somebody random who I'd never heard of being a good podcast guest. I know about John Vanderslice as a musician and stuff. I followed a lot of his kind of um projects and aliases over the years, but I never knew he gave such great interviews on a pod. Um but he was awesome. He was so amazing in terms of like talking about his um 
you know, what how, <laughs> his relationship with drugs, about buying drugs off the dark market, about Bitcoin, and just his philosophy about being an artist was super refreshing. And he had some really interesting takes that I want to kind of talk about here on the pod, which I feel like were really, really cool and kind of had a lot of kind of resonance in terms of how I want to try to approach stuff going forward. So I'm going to try and get it loaded up on you on my side. Bear with me one second. But essentially, the first kind of clip I've got here is him talking about drugs and sort of creativity. And essentially, he was saying that um, drugs should be, it's like a ceremonial thing. And you shouldn't use drugs as like a way to kind of, you know, unlock your creativity. You should be actually trying to create as sober as you can, which is something you hear a lot from the people who are like at the upper echelons of what they do. But I think the guys coming up kind of have a different kind of perspective. But usually the upper echelon guys and girls are usually the ones that say a similar type of thing. Like you shouldn't be doing any drugs to kind of unlock your creativity. That's actually a myth. You should be as sober as possible to try and do that. But this is a clip taken from the what's it called how long gone podcast and i think it's podcast number 337 if you want to check it out yourself but this is a clip from there that i thought was really interesting where he speaks about this whole thing so let's play here john Vanderslice on drugs and creativity let's see if this plays think about this all the time i i mean this is my hot take i think it <laughs> decreases creativity i really do <laughs> i really do and the reason is i think that it's like when you're creative, it's almost like you're desperate for a little action. You know, you're desperate to get fucked. You're desperate to get like power. You're desperate to get money. You're desperate to get clout or love or out of your own fucking misery. And the thing is that when you start having fully realized experiences with like ceremonial drugs, it almost takes up so much oxygen and is so creative in itself that you come out exhausted. You come out fully satisfied. You come out as like a god. And like those kind of people don't make art. You know what I mean? They just like <laughs> the weeks the weeks after I do Aya, I'm just like in my house petting my cat and like sitting in my backyard. You know what I mean? I don't I mean, I think of like the greatest records I ever made were in periods of like abject fucking suicidal ideation and misery <laughs> like you know what i mean it wasn't it wasn't like a joyous you know place you know and like i have a really funny attitude towards like like art and the validity of of, of creative action like i really genuinely feel it's like the most sacred expression of being a human but i also feel that it's fake as shit mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i i look at so much of what i've done in my life and it's like an extension of just ego stuff and it feels very dark and like contaminated mm. you know so and I'm, I'm not tortured by this stuff at all i mean i make records all the time i have a fun time i'm in general i'm very happy in my own life so i don't have like a complicated mm -hmm. uh thing to work out here but and he makes a lot of good points there. But the one that really stuck out to me was the fact that he kind of equated taking drugs and, you know, trying to use it as a way to unlock your creativity. He kind of described it as it's sucking up all the oxygen. And it's a really good point because it reminds me a lot of something Joey Diaz used to say back in the day. I think when he noticed when he was starting to go off the rails, when he was starting to take stand-up comedy serious, and obviously he was addicted to cocaine by that time, but he was saying sometimes you try and go on stage high and what he realized was that it sort of like numbed the receptors 
that he would have or the senses to connect with the audience whilst he's doing stand-up. And a lot of Joey Diaz's com- comedy anyway is a lot of kind of like, you know, storytelling um, and a lot of that stuff, you have to kind of pull it from a real place and maybe on the spot, improvise some bits and pieces based on the time that you're telling the story. But it requires you to basically tap into like a real emotion. And unfortunately, although drugs sometimes make you feel really emotional and they elevate your emotions, they actually don't allow you to tap into them. So if you're trying to create, it's actually the worst thing to do if you want to kind of create from an actual real place. But for whatever reason, society, culture, whatever it may be, maybe some, you know, some hero stories along the way has kind of led us to believe that, you know, doing drugs in that kind of way can tap into it. But actually, if you approach it from like a ceremonial point of view, as what he's basically saying, mostly relating to like the ayahuasca type of stuff to like use that as a thing to maybe um, open up some receptors or make you maybe make you kind of you know reflect on your life a little bit fair enough that's like a life alterating shift but once you're kind of once you're away from that experience and you're back to your regular life after going on a big trip it's back to kind of working completely sober and trying to do it that way in terms of clocking in clocking out like a job wise as opposed to tapping into those things all the time to kind of awaken some creativity thing that you think is gonna take you to the next level which usually doesn't happen like that personally 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 um but um another one that i thought was really interesting here was this clip that um he spoke about in the pod where he mentioned something about never doing never drinking or doing any drugs when, when he's on tour which i think is amazing as a punter and a fan of music and a fan of people in general and when to go see shows like it's, I want to see the best version of you. If the best version of you has happens to be part of your mystique is that you get on the stage and you're smashing, you're all over the place, fair enough. But I'd rather have you be your best self than just try and enjoy yourself on the stage. You'd rather see someone someone on the stage, Stone Cold Sober, smashing it, and then at the end going crazy some drinks, fair enough. Um, and obviously in the DJ culture, which I'm kind of mostly speaking about in relation to this, it's somewhat part of the scene to kind of, you know, do a little bit of drugs and drink as you're kind of playing. But in actuality, like, it doesn't really make any sense if you think about it, especially in the kind of context of the space that you're in. Because for you'd imagine, for the most part, on most dance floors in any given weekend, on any given weekend, in any flipping club around the world, you would say maybe over 50% of the people in there are probably high or drunk. If that's the case, I think as an artist, as a DJ, I would probably be best served if I stepped into that space being one of the sober ones but also being able to know how to tap into that feeling that's kind of vibrating around the room and sort of taking those people on a journey because you're understanding that because they're they're kind of out of it they just want to be guided so actually me being the sober one that's actually guiding them through the night that's actually a better way to kind of you know be able to destroy and to smash a DJ set to pieces and absolutely tear it apart than trying to go in there and be on the same level as them personally you would imagine so at most maybe a little shot to kind of get you you know get you loose if you need be but i think just being in a club anywhere as a dj like preparing to play after the next person especially when it's their last tune and you're plugging in your usb and you're getting your headphones sorted that adrenaline should be enough to kind of get you in the mood to kind of do it right and if you're not in that mood to do it right with that then maybe you're in the wrong profession but i thought john vanderslice's opinion on never doing drugs or drinking while on tour was incredible like but then he says at the end like you know he kind of will celebrate the end of a long tour with a nice drink and that's kind of the feeling that you can never kind of replicate that kind of you know delayed gratification thing is a real thing so let's hear john vanessa speak about this now 
it's an, everything after that is just icing on the cake. It's icing right? on the cake. Well, what what uh so you're you're you run in Elysian Park, which is dangerous. So I'm I'm praying for you. <laughs> if you run on tour and it's in like a beautiful environment, do you feel yourself being better or do you like the grunge? Okay, do you want to hear something terrible? I've never once run on tour in my entire life. Ever once. What? Yeah, never once. You're that you're that hungover, bro. You've been touring no, for twenty five years. What are you doing? I've actually never had a drink or done drugs ever on tour either. What? Yeah. What? Never. Okay, now that is the most fucked up thing you've said. So you're saying you just have gr- you just have group sex every night no. after the show. No. And I, there's no drugs. I, what? I, I've actually never had sex with more than one person either. So like I'm like oddly vanilla mixed in with like some crazy shit. Yes. Yes. Like Man, so you're telling. <laughs> so you've been touring. You've literally been touring for a very. I mean, you you've been doing this for a very long yeah. time, and I, yeah. and you've done it yeah. at every level. I feel like you've probably yeah. done some really wild big shit. You've done tiny clubs. Yep. And you're saying you 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 do this stone cold sober. I've never, and I, I'm not being like just funny or just stretching the truth. Like I've never mm-hmm. even had a sip of alcohol on a day off, even really. And so I'm going to I'm going I'm touring Europe in. Um, uh, in at the end of May, so I leave here on the twentieth, and it's for a month. Mm-hmm. And it's op- I'm opening up for Not a Surf in Europe. I'm in their bus, and it's like it's kind of it's a good. I mean, I've done a couple tours with them before, but this is like it's nice. There's no UK, so you don't have to deal with like Brexit stuff. <laughs> There's it's like Switzerland and Germany and France and Spain and like Belgium and the chill countries. It's there. it's the it's the it's a very high quality of life kind of tour. So mm-hmm. maybe two weeks before I leave, you know, so like any day now I will stop doing any drug or alcohol because I'm getting ready for a tour. So I just go into like pure rehearsal mode and I'll be like just focused on the tour. And then the day, you know, the last night of that, my girlfriend's going to be coming in to see the last show is in Brussels. And then that night we'll go out and like, Get some beers in Belgium. So, <laughs> like- so after all that, you just get some. I mean, I would, I would have my chick fly in. And I'm like, all right, this is where you inject the heroin into my eyeballs. <laughs> I'm not gonna go out for a schnitzel and a couple cold ones. Yeah. What are you? So is is so you're saying that you're just is it, is it like a focus thing or is it just like you compartmentalize this stuff in your life? It's it's a fo- it's a focus. Thing. I I think that we have an ethical kind of agreement with the audience to be at our best every single night and playing shows every night is incredibly Mm. hard alcohol is notoriously brutal on your vocal cords Mm. and like i also have a theory of like you do less drugs so you can do more drugs you know you have like these long swaths of not not touching anything you know like you you leave everything i mean think about when i was touring all the time there were years but i would i would drink alcohol maybe 20 or 30 times the entire year because of this schedule Mm -hmm. you know and like so it it kind of like forces you into these like very like disciplinary periods in your life which you have to have because when you tour all you see you don't even see drug addicts you see alcoholics yeah that's all you see around you is alcoholics you tour with them they open up for you you open up for them (laughs) they work at all the venues they work in all the venues the bartenders it's like that's the, the that's the kind of the payment for being on tours that you get to start drinking at like three o'clock in the day, every day, all, as much as you want. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and I guess in just knowing what 
a, a bar smells like at soundcheck at, yeah. at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's crazy. Yeah, that can be a sober. Crazy. So it sounds like you're just edging with alcohol and drugs. Yes. Kind of. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Which is- yeah. Which I, I love that. That was flipping amazing to hear. But it also made me think about, can you imagine how difficult it must be to like be sober working as like a stage hand? Is that stage hand, right? Like a stage hand, like the person that responsible for like moving the equipment from venue to venue, who who sets up the equipment in particular music venues, or it's just a the general like handyman person. Like it must be really difficult to live somewhat sober if you're in that kind of scene. If you like jump, if you know, if you're the person responsible for like setting up rigs at festivals in like, you know, locations around the world or around the country or in your state or in your city, it must be really hard to like abstain from drinking or doing any drugs because, you know, you're essentially on your feet like for like 10 hours plus a day. You're in the hot sun. You're surrounded by people that are absolutely smashed. So I can only imagine what that's like. It's probably a fun job. You get to meet a lot of interesting people. You work in the industry too. You probably have a job. I won't say somewhat for life, but you're an integral member of the industry of the music industry because you're essentially the you know the framework which everything kind of sits on. Um, you're setting stuff up and whatever it may be. I don't know what the term is called for it, but I'm going in my head. Somebody that does all the setup and you know the setting up and the setting down of whatever the stage hand that must be super super difficult. But I did like in general what John Vanessa had to say about just treating the occupation of an artist or as a DJ with respect, and I feel like nowadays especially with the economy being what it is. I know it's a, you know, it's a bit of a cliche now and everyone keeps saying it, but with the economy being the way it is and with people's finances being a bit stretched or their pockets, you know, not being as deep as it once were, I think if you're an artist, you kind of owe it to the fans who do come and see you, who do pay the £30, the $50 to come out and see you, who do get their parents to come and, you know, look after their kid to see you, who get someone to look after their flipping pets to see you, who, you know, drive down petrol, car park space, whatever it may be, buy merch. You do owe it to those people, usually working class people, to put on a bit of a good show. And you only you can only put on a good show if you're in a good, good sound mind. And that is kind of just abstaining from the booze and the beer and it's not even from the drugs and alcohol it's not even for a long time we're just saying to you just do it 20 hours 24 hours before the show and during the show but then after the show's done get crap get fucking wasted if you want to but on the on stage i want to see the best of you possibly because most likely you made that music anyway that i love you know with sound mind why not perform it with sound mind i don't really understand the whole like getting on stage and slurring your words and being all smashed up like it doesn't really fill me with any confidence and usually i'm one of those type of fans where if you give me one good show it doesn't even mean to be that that amazing. Like, I'm not saying like fucking Beyonce level production, but just give me one decent good show and I'm a fan of yours for life. I'm going to sing your praises. I'm going to come to your shows anytime you're back in my town. That's how easy it is to hook me. And I think most people are like that as well. But for whatever reason, these people out here want to just, you know, they want their cake and eat it too. They want to perform and they want to get on it and it gets a little bit crazy. And then the last clip here taken from this interview that I love, like I said, this this is definitely the one of the greatest of all time podcast appearances that I've ever seen. John Vandersize on How Long Gone, episode number 337. This last clip is really funny because he speaks about not basically doing drugs every day because he has this, you know, philosophy on, on drug taking, which is basically um, do it 
a short period of time, then abstain for a long period of time to do it again, which makes sense because he's an artist who kind of produces at the highest level. He's got a big fan base. He tours all the time. He's been around for ages. So it makes sense that in order to operate at that level, he has to have more months in the year that he's sober than, than he's drunk, drunk and high. That makes more sense, especially if you don't mind doing recreational drugs, but you also don't want it to kind of take over your entire year. So maybe you spec out like in a 12 month year <clears throat> in 12 months of the year you maybe spec out 10 months of when you're completely sober and two months when you're not and you just split up those two months you know across the year which kind of works out a little bit better which maybe is a grown-up way of doing it anyway this is john van der slice on it let me play the clip for you now 100 percent, and like so i think that when you when you like really keep it locked into that one ceremonial use even if it's completely like superficial like it doesn't have to be about transforming your you know like oh oh, wait stop sucking let me hit this joint really quick it'll make it better (laughs) (laughs) i mean and then the other thing is that i think that like drug use is best and this is the do the do less drugs thing to do more is the idea that like you don't normalize drug use. You don't do anything every day. In fact, I would say that like I wish somebody I wish I wish somebody would told me that before I met Oxycontin. But thanks for the tip. I would have kept you. I would have kept you safe. I really would have kept you safe. Mm-hmm. I would have been your better angel with drugs. John knows the difference between use and abuse. And also, pills are as you know, Chris. Like pills are easy. Mm. And and I also don't. I like the the, the rattiness <laughs> of a drug. Like for instance, I would have said you would have been better off smoking opium. You know, and, doing and it's, it's funny you say that. I have smoked some opium in my time, and it's fantastic. Yeah, that's basically grass fed oxycodone, right, John? <laughs> it's it, artisanal. It, 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 it's a and it's a better high. It's more complicated. You know, there's more going on, and it's more functional. It's more full bodied. I can't toss eight of those back and wash it down with a smart water after a bowl of cereal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> what was the most like that you ever think you did in one day i was doing at the peak i was probably doing 10 10 oxys and and like five muscle relaxers at the same time (laughs) did it feel like kind of amazing though right (laughs) hell yeah it felt amazing bro until i od'd yeah it was sick (laughs) and then what happened when you od'd well i thought i i I woke up in the hospital and i was fine and then i went home and i kept doing it for a couple more months and then i decided to stop doing it whoa yeah, that's a good that's a lot of discipline. Yeah, well, I'm very disciplined now. And I, I believe that I was also very disciplined about taking it every single day. And that was the problem. I was too disciplined. I was too disciplined about my intake. The blessing and the curse of being a disciplined yeah, it person. It comes at you in different ways. But I think that I think that your outlook is it's very nice to hear about because this is what I think a lot of people aspire to. I think Jason has a little bit of this in him as well. I don't want to, if it's that easy, to quote Tupac Shakur the late. Yeah, but for someone like me, I just don't have it in me. I have no, it's either, you know, pedal to the metal or nothing at all. And And I think that's essentially everybody's problem. And I think that's where John Vanderslice actually smashed it. Because I think most people, myself included, have that issue of like, it's either on or it's either, it's either on all the way or off. There's no middle ground, but there should be a middle ground. There should be a way to kind of do it um, somewhat sensibly. Um, if that's something that you enjoy to do, of course. If you don't, then of course, just give it up. But I think most of us just recognize the potential to kind of do too much. So we'd rather just abstain completely because we know how it, how far it can go. 
You start off with a drink. Like, cause I know I, I've got some friends who, you know, as soon as they go out for a drink and they're with a group of people, that's when suddenly everyone gets around and be like, hey, who's got a number? Who's going to go pick up? Do you know what I mean? That's as soon as it starts. That's all it takes. Just a group of friends hanging around. It's past 9 p.m. straight away. Who's got a number? Who's going to pick up something? And then it kind of goes from there. So I can understand if you're that person to say, you know what? I'd rather just not drink because I know if I do have one drink with my group of friends, it's going to escalate to me doing drugs, it's escalate to me going to a club, to me going to an after hours, and then suddenly it's fucking Sunday at 4pm and I haven't been home. So I can understand that, but I think there should be a middle ground. I think people should be growing up, especially nowadays, with stuff like the darknet around and Telegram and, you know, and drugs being legal in certain countries and whatnot, and, you know, maybe decriminalised in certain places. People should be grown up about doing it because it's something that isn't going to go away anytime soon um the drug taking i think i think intake increased probably tenfold during the flipping peak of the pandemic especially when people were at home and had nothing to do and it's probably going to get worse now with society being the way it is and people having to trying to cope with flipping regular life so finding a way to kind of balance and kind of make that make sense is probably the best way to kind of go about things but again it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of personal inventory it takes a lot of just effort to kind of make that work is better just to kind of indulge and kind of let yourself go but um i'm at the point now where you know i'm trying to my best to put my flipping hand on that gearbox and just flipping keep that flipping car in gear and not let it get too crisp because you know the easy thing to do would be to go and cop an automatic slip it and drive and just go all the way no no no. and if you're able to put that stiff in gear and just get it going but that's just my point of view on it you know i don't really know much when it comes to that sort of stuff let me see what you guys are saying here in the comments about it um Natashki, big up Natashki. She says, I've never been into drugs. I've tried a few things because of peer pressure, but never was into it. I'm naturally ex existential and sensitive to energy, so I don't need substance to get me there. Yep, for sure. I understand what you mean. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think recognizing what you're into or recognizing what kind of gets or jives with you straight away is the best thing to do. Trying to make it work is the worst thing. Like, you know, there's people that I know who essentially convince themselves to like wine. This is a weird example, but it's the only way I could kind of pour. Like that time when everyone was trying to drink wine and natural wines and be kind of, you know, all like, you know, um, cultured and shit. Some people just didn't like it, but tried to convince themselves to like it. And now they're at a point where they can't drink anything else but that. I'd hate to be that person. I'd rather just try something if I don't enjoy it. Just kind of leave, leave it alone. I don't need to kind of keep going back and around and around again just to kind of make it work. I feel that stuff is ultra, ultra, ultra weird and if you've got the option you know the peer pressure thing is hard but if you don't have the peer pressure thing and you can just kind of abstain off your own volition then why not why would you try and get involved in something that could legitimately be um you know that could get you down a really really bad path but again it takes time it takes effort it's not easy but i think you know with a little bit of um with a little bit of good intention things can go the right way if you need be things can go the right way um moving on from that one because i don't want to get anybody hungry to go and pick up some pills or whatnot talking about that sort of stuff too much um i quickly went to move on to some other topics that i thought were of note here number one being the fucking takeover of Man United. So the takeover news so far isn't good. Like I said before, I need to maybe protect my mental health and not check news concerning Man United potential sale or takeover anytime soon because it looks like there's no movement. Sheikh Chessian um, put it to put out an ultimatum, essentially saying, "Hey, my final bid that I'm submitting is this, and you have a deadline until Friday." 
the table, the offer's still on the table, but I'm not going to submit nothing else. You have until Friday to let me know Wagwan. And of course, the fucking glazers, those leeches, those flipping cockroaches um, haven't replied or said anything because the my feeling and a lot of feelings of the fans is that they would much rather not sell the club in full. They'd much rather sell the club, um, you know, uh, sell a portion of the club to somebody like a Jim Ratcliffe and then get the op- option to stay on still pull out dividends and earn a salary from the club, whatever it may be, and then later on down the line, sell whatever remaining stock they have for more. So if you sell 60% now um, for 4 billion, you can just potentially, if you know things work out the way you need, you can potentially sell the other 40% for 3 billion. So you can essentially make more than what they actually had listed the club for. Because I think the fee that they kind of wanted was like 5 billion. So at the moment, it's looking crazy because I'm one of the fans who thinks like, we need a full clean break. We need the Glazers gone and a restart because clearly the Glazers have shown in their tenure at United that they don't have a clue what they're doing. The bankers that they employed are fucking hopeless. We move like a fucking tortoise once it comes to, you know, doing business. And with the summer transfer window, you know, already open and clubs already maneuvering and signing up the big talents and, you know, the competition and league being the way it is and Europe being very competitive and blah, 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 blah. You would think that we need a clean break to just get things started like but for some reason it's not the case we're still here twiddling our thumbs waiting for the fucking glazers to decide when they're gonna sell if they're gonna sell and so far the update isn't good so it's a courtesy of bbc news that says the maniac takeover um club owner spoke to psg chairman um about sheikh jassim's bid um hamad al tayin's bid um so essentially they're saying that the glazers spoke to the PSG owners to try and get them to pressure Sheikh Jassim to offer more, to get into some bidding war. But my kind of gut feeling is that they were never going to sell to Sheikh Jassim anyway. They would much rather sell to Jim Ratcliffe, give up partial ownership, um, get loads of money, quote unquote, to invest, and then sell the rest of the the stuff that they have left in ownership what shares later on down the line for more than what is probably valued for now. Um, the story goes as follows. Uh, Maya, BBC Sport has to be told that it was instigated by the Glazers who have known the Qatari El Khalifi for years Sheikh Jassim and Jim Ratcliffe and Yos Group are competing to buy the club the Qatari banker made a fifth in offer this week with a warning that he would not engage with the process beyond Friday um, it is privately being claimed that the conversation did not work as the bid for the full takeover was not increased but it's been reported that Al Khalifi has also met with the Rain Group, which is handling the sale process, although this is being denied by the source close to the PSG's chairman. Those same sources also adamant that El Khalifi has no role, either officially or unofficially, in the United, and the bid is completely separate to PSG. A suggestion from other clubs that want any sale of the Sheikh Jassim to fully be investigated due to a feeling that it will be centrally funded by Qatar. Concerns have previously been expressed around the potential conflicts of the interest with El Khalifi's club role, and he stands as chairman of the Influential European Clubs Association and his close relationship with the UEFA president, Alexander Serafin. Sources close to Sheikh Jassim have repeatedly claimed that proposed purchases being made in private capacity. It's been established that El Khalifi has spoken to Sheikh Jassim to offer his experience around the running of a European club. It's not expected Sheikh Jassim will make any statement around the self-imposed Friday deadline, and he's not intended to withdraw from his bid. So, so far, 
it's not looking good. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm going to have to protect my mental health and just not check this news too much, but I can't help it. I'm a fucking fan and I want the Glazers gone. I feel like they're flipping been a hindrance to the progress of this club for a very, very long time and will legitimately go down as one of the worst football owners of all time. What they've done to my, you know, beloved club is nothing short of gross negligence and they should be tried in the fucking Hague for the crimes against football. But hey, what do I know? What do I bloody know? So moving on from that one, moving on swiftly from that one, let's talk about this, brother. So this is just kind of broke, breaking news, actually, courtesy of BBC News, just one hour ago. Boris Johnson, former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, has basically quit as an MP with immediate effect um, because of the report concerning all the parties that are happening during COVID, essentially the Partygate report that's happening here in the UK, which is quite interesting, isn't it? It's interesting to see the residual damage that's been caused by some of these politicians, higher-ups in society who took the absolute piss during the peak of the pandemic when we were all locked down at home we couldn't go outside especially in the uk we had fucking crazy rules about what time you could go outside in terms of curfews there were fines that were maybe going to be in force you couldn't gather in a certain amount of number of groups of people just nonsense stuff right and for whatever reason they were going really really hard in terms of telling the civilians or the citizens that what they could and couldn't do but little did we know behind closed doors these guys were doing the complete opposite of what they were advising us they were gathering in place they were having parties they were drinking and shit they were doing all the stuff that we were allowed we were told we weren't allowed to do and they were doing it during again the peak of the pandemic i think this would have been somewhat forgivable if it was happening towards the tail end or if they just were somewhat congruent of what they said to what they did but the hypocrisy of it during the peak of the pandemic when they were telling us to you know wear a mask and mask saves lives and you know be 10 feet distance from people these motherfuckers are having such roles in the fucking parliament buildings um dining rooms and stuff and sniffing coke in the flipping bathrooms and you know dancing around to fucking tom jones songs and shit whilst we have to kind of you know stay in place at home absolutely awful so I, for one, am kind of happy to see that the cons- there, there has been some consequences to this, right? Um, that they didn't just all get away with it. They kind of did, but they didn't because Boris Johnson's reputation has been forever, forever tarnished. And this is funny because he's somebody that, you know, is, is not without his controversy, but to find that his legacy is now going to be essentially um, rested entirely on what he, how he dealt with COVID and the pandemic and all the parties that are happening whilst we're all kind of locked down is kind of hilarious to see, to be honest. But also, speaks to the anger that kind of fills the hearts of most citizens and most regular people you know because people lost family members some people couldn't go to fucking funerals because of the lockdowns but all these motherfuckers were out here doing what they were doing anyway the report courtesy of bbc says as follows i've been forced out of a party gate report uh boris johnson is now is to step down as an mp with immediate effect after receiving the party gate report that report by the mp-led privileges committee looked into whether he misled parliament over a lockdown breaking parties at downing street Mr. Johnson accused the Commons inquiry of attempting to drive me out. In a statement, on he said they were still they they still not have they still not produced a shred of evidence that I knowingly or recklessly misled the Commons. Earlier on Friday, he received a copy of the yet to be published report, which claimed um, he was which which he claimed was riddled with inaccuracies and reeks of prejudice. Lols. 
Look, Boris Johnson saying he's been <laughs> prejudiced. Oh, I fucking love this guy. Um, in evidence given to the Privileged Committee in March, but Johnson admitted to misleading the Parliament, but denied doing so on purpose. Of course he didn't do it on purpose. How did he know? He's just a little baby. He doesn't know. Um, he said the social distancing had been not been perfect at gatherings at the Downing Street during COVID lockdowns, but he said that there were essential work events. Does that look like a fucking essential work event to you? A whole table full of fucking Pret-a-Manger sandwiches and people standing around drinking room temperature fucking tango and, you know, whatever it may be. Come on, man. That's not an essential place. Look at that guy here. Look how he's dressed. If you ask the essential work meeting, I don't think so. It continues. He insisted the guidelines as understood as he understood them were followed at all times. Announcing he would step down, the former prime minister issued a lengthy statement on Friday evening in which he said, I did not lie. I believe that in their hearts, the committee know it. They know perfectly well. When I spoke in the comments, I was saying what I believe sincerely to be true and what I had briefed to say like any other minister. I love that political speech, isn't it? That's a great way to not admit you're lying, right? That's an amazing way to not admit you're lying. Um, when I spoke in the Commons, I was saying what I believed sincerely to be true and what I had been briefed to say. So you can't essentially say you're lying under oath because in that moment, what I believed to be true was this. Sorry, baby. I believed that that woman that I slept with the other day was you. At that, at that time, I believed that it was you. <laughs> it was not my intention to break your heart. I, at the t at that time, I believed that I was impregnating you. I did not believe I was impregnating some hussy on the street. I am so sorry. Take me back. <laughs> it continues. Which also said that he was corrected and the record has soon been possible and claimed that committee members know that. He said that the current prime minister and then the occupant of the same building, which is Sunak, also believed they were. He condemned the committee as a kangaroo court. That's infested the kangaroos and claimed that it was on purpose from the beginning and he had been found guilty regardless of the facts. Cool. That aside, right? That aside, you know what's the worst thing about fucking Boris? You know the worst thing about this guy? The, the worst thing about him is shit like this. Look at this fucking shit. If you want proof Boris Johnson honors this as a joke, he's given an OBE. He's given an award from, from the royal family, right? A fucking honor. Uh, I think he's officer of the British Empire. That's what it means, OBE. To his fucking hairdresser, Kelly Joe Dodge. His hairdresser, this guy whose hair looks like this when he wakes up, recommended his hairdresser to get an OBE. <laughs> do you know how corrupt and how crooked you have to be to do that? So brazenly. <laughs> Off of the back of you throwing parties and raves in the House of Commons during the peak of the pandemic. Here you are, one parting shot. Let one parting shot to the fucking public a big f you to the fucking regular folks out there trying to make it work you fucking try and recommend your fucking hairdresser for a flipping obe the hairdresser of boris johnson whose hair looks like that whose hair looks like he fucking combs it with a fucking balloon this guy wanted to give his hairdresser a fucking a fucking award imagine that an obe what absolute lunacy for that alone he should have stepped down to be honest for that alone he should have fucking stepped down but anyway big up boris he goes out and fucking flamed no longer an mp we're probably gonna see him on fucking dancing with the stars or some nonsense soon most likely i reckon um because you know he's a fucking fame whore and he loves the sound of his own voice so we're not gonna get rid of him anytime soon but what an absolute psycho of a guy man absolute psycho <laughs> sometimes i think these guys like the lack of self-awareness is pretty 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 crazy
Moving on from that one, quickly want to say congratulations to Dave and Central C. Um, somehow, I'm actually surprised because I thought um, Trojan Horse was a better single, but according according to the official charts, Dave and Central C have got a number one record with the first single off of that EP um, called Split Decision um, for Sprinter. I actually prefer Trojan Horse, and maybe I'd actually even go as far as saying UK Rap might be a better single, but for whatever reason... They chose Sprinter as the first single. The video's out now. I think last time I checked, the video had like 16 million views and people loved it and everything, whatever it may be. And these two guys kind of linking up, the two guys at the top of their game, both young, both killing it. It's something kind of, you know, you don't really see too often. Um, usually record labels like to keep guys at this apart and have them compete against each other. But maybe because they're independent, it kind of helps to them to kind of work together a little easily. But it's actually impressive that that single that I don't think is the greatest um, or is it the best on the EP is actually the one I got number one. That means the whole project is absolutely doing numbers. So this is courtesy of Official Charts. Record Breaker, David Central C debut at number one in the UK charts with Sprinter. Duo land the biggest streaming week of any rap song in the UK chart history. The good thing about it, I think, about that song being number one is just how much the culture has shifted in the UK because the contents of that song is not you know, it's not PG, it's not, you know, radio friendly type of content. And the fact that that sort of stuff is now becoming number one um, on the regular basis, something, I think it's pretty cool to see the evolution of, um, you know, UK rap and I would say predominantly black music in the UK is good because there was a time where we were, we, we were weirdly puritanical if that makes sense when it comes to you know having music from the black culture or urban culture kind of showcased on the regular uk charts for some reason it wasn't even though those songs that i kind of grew up with or freestyles or maybe were ringing out in the streets it was never reflected in radio or in some of these official charts so it's good to see these guys kind of be able to service the quote-unquote hood and also service the mainstream audience which is pretty sick and obviously when you do that that's how you end up with fucking matching fucking g-wagons you only end up with matching g-wagons right if you end up be able to serve the hood and serve the fucking overground it's kind of the virgil abloh method so um, uh, overground and underground at the same time that's the best way to go about it anyway the article courtesy of officialcharts.com says as follows david central c pull up in the sprinter for a record-breaking number one debut at the official chart the powerhouse duo's first official collaboration next dave his third uk number one single following the 2018 funky friday wow shit well done, bloody hell. I forgot that was for number one. And with Fredo last year, Starlight, and Sojusi's first ever chart-topping single, um, having previously peaked at number two with Doja. Um, as well as clinching... No, Doja should have been number one. Well, I don't know what beat it at number one, but that record was fucking everywhere, 2022. Um, it continues here. As well as clinching the biggest opening week of the year so far, Sprinter tops the official singles chart with 108,000... 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, if I'm not mistaken, both Dave and Central C are, are in, independent. Um, so to them be able to kind of get this amount of streams 
and get this level of popularity and whatever it may be from this song, being independent, doing it on their own without the fucking machine just shows the power of these guys organically. It's fucking crazy. They've also earned the biggest first week streams of Adele's Easy On Me. Two more tracks from Dave Central C surpassed um, with Trojan, Trojan Horse being 14 and Nuclear being 17. Cool, amazing and great. Personally for me, as just a word of caution, I hope they don't try and rinse this. I hope this is kind of like a one and done for a while and they both go back to doing their own things because I feel like they could use the kind of the heat and the attention from this to kind of segue into their own albums, EPs and shit. I hope they don't go and try and do an album together and go and like, it's just going to be too much. Like let people kind of save, let this be something people savor and kind of long for maybe a couple of years down the line, then kind of revisit it. But for now, drop this, maybe a couple more videos, do some appearances with the, kind of, you know, you know, enjoy the flipping heat and the fun of this, but don't, basically do too much with it i personally think like try and leave people asking for more and kind of you know approach the album and whatnot going forward individually but i would love to see that but most likely because of success and it's done really well why not double back and do a whole album but i would rather they focus on their individual stuff because i feel like you know you probably learned a lot from each other from this flipping experience working together at that level um and why not kind of use that bit of steam to kind of segue into the you know into the heat of your own solo career that's what i would do anyway but again who do i what do i know i'm just a random guy here in the depths of east london talking out my asshole but yeah enjoyed the the ep loved it for the most part my favorite track was trojan horse but i do understand sprinter the video the vibes everything why it made a lot of sense Going on from that, want to mention as well, um, Jay Huss and Drake dropped a track, or it's a Jay Huss track featuring Drake, and the conversations around it on social have been quite interesting. A lot of people have been saying that essentially Drake got washed on this track. I don't think so. Um, I think it was a, it's mostly a Jay Huss track, of course. He's got more of the verses on it, but I thought they complimented each other really well. I thought Drake's verse was fucking fantastic that that verse is gonna absolutely go in festivals and in dances people are gonna be singing that shit word for word um already the opening couple of bars in the flipping track are crazy right who told you bad man don't dance who told you dancers don't dance like that already is gonna be get that's already gonna that's already a sing-along a caption worthy type of affair for a very 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 long time but i thought drake's verse was harder than hard like even this i, I don't know if this was a if this was an ode to um what's it what's his name i forgot the guy's name uh what's it called it's like a uk rap guy right and he's got like a song where he speaks about heading what's it called uh is it it's like a funky house song it's like a funky house knees and toes knees knees what's his name knees head shoulders i'm not sure if that was a what's, what's his name krg is it krg is that the guy's name tiny temper no what's his name is it krg it can't be krg it's like a funky house song that goes uh, head, nose, head, shoulders, knees and toes. I want to see, let me see the ladies crew, whatever. Anyway, it's, some, it's an old school like song from the UK. If you know, you know it, right? And I wonder if this opening line from Drake where it says, touch my forehead, chest, left and shoulder, if that's like a little nod to him or if that's just like him just doing his thing, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, the verse is fucking fire 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 i thought it was super super hard um i'm surprised people are saying that he got washed um by jay house i thought they complimented each other incredibly well nice and tight didn't go crazy and again this is going to be sung word for word in the dances so people acting as if like um this isn't a flipping bop you guys are being flipping insane but obviously jay house did his thing as well and i think this 
is far more what people want to hear from Jay Huss than maybe the first single, which I still feel was a solid attempt to kind of, you know, introduce yourself back into the scene again. But I thought they complement each other well. The feel the beat was flipping great. Um, perfect amount of length. Loads of good little sing-along bars that you can kind of go crazy to under the influence of some Ray or a couple of Magnums in a dance. So for me, it does a job and I can't wait to hear it out loud on a big, big speaker system when I'm out there in the streets with the kids thems, you know, which I'm not really. But hey, you got to pretend like you are in it because why not? <laughs> why the hell not? So moving on from this, quick one to mention this regarding um, fashion stuff, right? So... um. I think I mentioned beforehand that there's a Grace Wells Bonner Adidas collaboration that looked absolutely amazing, kind of building on the success of the first one that went crazy. And of course, the Sambas being the shoes that everyone kind of are fighting over. I think the original pair of Sambas, the kind of lime and green ones, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're going for like £400 or something last time I checked. Let me see if I can check it again one more time here. But I'm pretty sure the last time I checked the Sambas, um, the original ones, they were going for like 400 on fucking StockX. So this update has been pretty good to see here. Let me see if I get either Samba stack. I'm going to check out my phone here just in case I don't able to get it up on here. And that original colorway that I think was like, well, I don't know if it was like, like a yellow green colorway. Um, you won't be able to see it on here. And oh, no, actually it's this one. It's a brown one, isn't it? What? 2000. Okay, cool. Maybe I've, I've got it mistaken. But this colorway here is now going for like 600, which is the sort of the first one. And I'm actually going to get up on the screen so you can kind of see it. So that colorway there, that kind of brown one, that was one of the first ones they did, right? And that's like going for like, you know, last like, last sale, there was like 559 in my size. Um, uh, no, actually, it's 1,000. What am I talking about? It's not even 559. It's flipping 1,232. So those shoes did absolutely numbers. So they announced a new collection and some new colorways. And the silver ones, woohoo! are the obviously the pièce de résistance that everyone kind of wants. Uh, there's a few other SL ones that people will like as well. I think there's a yeah, there's like a creamy colorway too. But of course, the silver ones right here are the money makers, and they dropped earlier today. And obviously, I didn't have a chance to kind of cop them. They all kind of sold out super quickly. But it is good to see that the flipping resellers might have caught a bit of an L. I think the first pairs were the first pairs because they, you know, it was a moment in time. Everyone kind of went crazy for them and they kind of did really, really well. I'd wear the hell out of that outfit, by the way. I'd wear the hell out of that flipping outfit. You got the little um, church vest jumper, some Adidas shorts from the collection, some light, some what? I think you call them turquoise or teal um, football socks and the silver shoes. Oh, I'd wear the fuck out of that outfit. Number one. Yeah. But anyway, the first drop was was the first drop. It was a moment in time, and I guess resellers thought that they could kind of replicate that feeling. Even that, that even that 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 bejeweled headband thing. I'd fucking wear the hell out of that too. I'd wear the hell out of that bejeweled headband thing. I'm not gonna lie, that'd be a perfect thing to wear in a dance at like Panorama Bar or something. But anyway, that being said, the first one was the first one. It did what it did. Resellers got a bit too excited and thought they could kind of catch another lick with the silver ones, but. I'm happy to report the resellers caught a fucking L. So I'll be able to purchase these probably within resale, within kind of retail range. Because so far, having checked StockX, having checked StockX, the recent sale so far in my size, which is a big boy adult size, right? I'm like US 11, um, US 11.5. Look at the price. Only £200 on StockX with, you know, probably more than 20 pairs available. 
only 200 pounds and if i'm not mistaken the retail of these wells bonner um adidas samba and silver was about 170 if i'm not mistaken about the 170 190 mark so having to pay i don't know anywhere between the 50 to 100 pound on top to just purchase them whenever you want ease of use i'm gonna do that easy easy do that i'm happy to do that if it's only you have to pay 50 to 100 pounds that's an amazing turnaround so it's quite cool to see for once that the resellers weren't able to fucking fleece these shoes and you know flipping increase the fucking price of them and not allow people to actually want to purchase the shoes an opportunity to get them so it's good to see that you can still purchase them for a somewhat um reasonable flipping fee of 200 pounds so i'm absolutely over the moon of that and it's good to see because it means that the people that actually want them can actually get the shoes and i think that's always been my issue with this sort of stuff like number one the brands themselves i feel like sometimes don't make enough units to satisfy demand like my whole thing is like, for instance, that Apple Vision Quest thing, right? That everyone wants. The Apple Vision Quest thing, when it finally does come out, it's going to be available for everybody to purchase. We're all going to be able to get a pair of fa- of Apple flipping Vision Quest fucking, um, what you call it? Uh, glasses. We're all going to be able to get a pair one day, eventually get put in production. So why is it the case we can get those flipping Apple glasses, but if you want a pair of limited edition shoes, we have to all fight over a small amount of stock, get stressed over nothing, when really they could make enough to satisfy demand so that you don't create this secondary resale market. But we know why they do that, because the secondary resale market helps to kind of like bolster their stock prices, what they look like, um, satisfy the shareholders, add to the myth, help the marketing along the way. It's all kind of goes hand in hand in the same way that it kind of goes hand in hand with them kind of in a weird way, these kind of brands essentially, um, you know, propel kind of, in, in some way encouraging the fucking replica market by having this fucking artificial scarcity um, enacted because i feel like nowadays maybe a few years ago when i was maybe getting into sneakers early 2000s times maybe even before that you could justify only making a thousand pair of shoes because there's not many sneakers around the world but i feel like nowadays especially with the prevalence of sneakers everywhere with the success of yeezys like you know you see yeezys being worn by mums and dads in like shopping malls and shit they're they're popular popular shoes and you see fucking fakes of slides in Primark and all this sort of shit. I think personally, there's, you know, everybody essentially is a sneakerhead because I don't think there's a person in the world now, in most of the Western world, who doesn't know what a Jordan 1 is, who doesn't know what an Air Force 1 is, who doesn't know what an Adidas is or, or Adidas shoes in general. So if that's the case and sneaker industry is a billion dollar industry, there is no reason to kind of purposefully limit the amount of shoes that you make just to have this false sense of, you know, scarcity, because at the end of the day, the shoes are never, ever, ever, you know, there's never not enough shoes. They're never going to be made more. Like you can say there's only a hundred made, but there's going to be loads kind of being backdoored. There's going to be loads of fakes made. So the whole numbering of shoes makes no sense anyway, limited to quantity. You might as well just make more from the, from the source, have them be available for a certain amount of time, maybe like a week or whatever it may be. Make sure everyone's got their hands on it and then keep it moving. Cause I don't understand why, like I said before, why can I get a hold of a pair of fucking Apple vision quest pros easier than I can get a pair you know i can get a hold of a pair of fucking paris dunks it makes no complete sense but i'm happy to see sometimes there are occasions where the wearers of sneakers win and you're able to buy shoes normally so you can sign up because i think i've heard some people on social saying they were able to buy a pair of these wells bonner um sambas and silver pretty easily um via the raffles and stuff so it feels like maybe a surprisingly 
more numbers were made than before but still they need to do more because i feel like nowadays like you know this artificial scarcity thing is a bit lame um we all know that what the shoes we want we have the money to buy them make them available so we can purchase them and keep it moving that way because you know having loads of them all just sit on StockX and not having people actually wearing them is actually a discredit to the person that you're collaborating with them too because they want to be seen on foot and not flipping hoarded up in some 17 year olds fucking room stacked up in boxes so they can post for instagram in my opinion but again what do i know i'm just a random guy in a random place talking out of my flipping asshole moving on from that one quickly want to mention this quickly regarding palace and oakley's summer 2023 collaboration and you know i don't really fuck with palace i think the brand's fucking terrible but this is kind of interesting because it looks like they've clearly made a conscious decision to turn their brand into like a collaboration incubator of some sorts. Like it feels like every other day, whenever I browse on Hypebeast, I'm seeing another fucking Palace collaboration. It's like they never end with collabs. You you see more collab information than you do their actual regular collections. And when you do see the regular collections, they've got like 500 pieces. It's absolutely insane. So I, for one, don't know who's buying all this shit. I don't know if there's enough fucking, you know, Middle Eastern teenagers um, who are purchasing Palace on a, you know, yearly basis to justify how much fucking clothes that they make. Like somewhere along the line, this stuff is going to be at the bottom of an ocean somewhere, you know, strangling a fucking lobster. Like there's so much shit. Like did anybody, you know, is anybody dying for this Palace and Oakley stuff? I don't know maybe um oakley's introduced reintroduced themselves back into the you know to the market again with the stuff they're doing with that i think i've got it's got things like oakley lab or something they've done some stuff with brain dead of course and the summer stuff is pretty decent this backpack looks like something i'd obviously wear um but i don't know if like the fans of this type of stuff are clamoring for these type of items like um, an oakley hoodie um with palace written on it underneath you know, it looks like it's been designed in a certain way with certain pockets and stuff. So maybe it's not like your regular cut and sew hoodie. Fair enough. The glasses look fairly interesting. But again, it's for it's a particular type of person that's going to wear this sort of stuff. Like whenever I see this type of stuff, especially the, the pose here on the left, I just think of dudes that, you know, wear white socks, um, roll up their own cigarettes. I don't know, um, always have like a little bottle of vodka in their back pocket and something and clubs and stuff and nick that while they're drinking somewhere you know, who share grams of kept between like seven people, uh, you know, who unironically, you know, only eat Turkish food on the way home. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know. It's just weird. It's just very, 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 very weird who they make this type of stuff for. And it's just, I feel like it kind of somewhat cheapens or takes away the attention or devalues the mainline stuff because you kind of want to buy palace or those type of types of brands because of how um cool they are right in some way shape or form because of how amazing the mainline collection is but i feel like for some reason all these collabs kind of take away the power and the juice from the mainline because you're having to prop these up but it makes a lot of sense why they're doing it because i think having been told by some people who are kind of in the know in the industry they've told me that the money that you make from collaborations is just insane so there's two ways you could either get like residuals um, where like you take sorry, royalties um, from the sale of the collaboration or most people just take like a flat out, you know, a flat fee, um, like a sort of like a consultation fee uh, or let's just call it a collaboration fee. So if you're a brand and you maybe don't, you know, sell a lot season in season out, 
the money that you get flat out off the you know up front from like a collab could essentially pay the salaries for your company for the year so it makes sense why they do it so you know you 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 take the hundred grand from oakley or whatever it is half a mil and then you use that to kind of give you more runway um or to make you you know or maybe actually what you end up doing is that you end up using that money or that kind of you know a little bit of runway to take some chances with your main line to kind of freak some shit up and see or maybe kind of you know uh, allow yourself a bit of buffer um and not have some so much pressure on the main line stuff but i think if i was a fan selfishly I would be annoyed because I feel like the juice and the power that should be funneled into the main collection is being siphoned on into the collabs and it's cheapening the brand. It's just all over the place and generally just too much shit. Like there's the main collection, there's the collabs, there's this, there's that. It's just all too much and you only have one body, um, I'd imagine. Uh, even if you've got all the money in the world, you can't be, go- you know, you're not going to wear all your clothes to make it justifiable. So somewhere along the lines, you're going to end up creating surplus and the kind of... Um, want appeal the kind of i don't know the desirability of it is kind of gone now because it kind of feels like you know you can get the shit in urban outfitters at some point like it's a bit it's a bit meh a bit meh for me personally but hey i'm not necessarily a fan of the brand so i'm maybe not the right person to speak about it but if i'm not mistaken is it out already it should be out right yeah it's going to be out june 10th so that's tomorrow so check it out if you want it it'll be available from june no actually is it no it says so it's going to be available online today and then it's going to be available later on in Japan from June 10th. So check that out if you need. Check that out if you do need. Next one to mention this. This courtesy of Hypebeast um, regarding this UK brand called Elisa, um, which I kind of liked what they've kind of been doing. Um, the only thing that I'm a little bit, you know, not really the biggest fan of is maybe the prevalence of tracksuits, I feel like, from these UK brands. It doesn't matter if they're kind of more like what you'd call quintessentially quote-unquote road hood brands or whether they're brands that are kind of trying to emulate what a cold wool did with what i feel like Elise kind of has a similar sort of vibe where they sort of you know maybe look out of a cold war and kind of use them as a template or as motivation or as someone to kind of aim for and something they're trying to do which is not a bad thing but i feel like for some reason uk brands tend to have a real tendency to always have tracksuits which maybe makes sense because, you know, youth culture is intrinsically tied to tracksuits, especially here in Europe or especially in the UK primarily. But I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like there's enough of an interesting story you can tell through regular sweatsuits, personally. I think they've all been kind of told. There's only so much bits of paneling that you can do to make them interesting. At the end of the day, it's still just a sweatsuit. Um, there's maybe a bit more interesting ways to kind of tell your story. But regardless, this is um, Elise's autonomy collection, courtesy of Hypebeast. Some decent pieces here and there. Some cool t-shirts that I'm going to focus on, on here, actually on the screen. Um, the first image, they've got a nice um, crop top, turtleneck type of top, which I like the look of. The pants are probably sweatpants, which I'm not really too fond of the slightest. The logo on the back of the t-shirt, I kind of like and I dig. I'm not mad at that. They've got some socks also that don't look the greatest. There's not, you know, maybe, maybe, it's, a, maybe it's the angle, but the elasticity in this sock is not for me. I like my sit to kind of, I like my sock to kind of sit. I like my sock to be really tight and then to kind of loosen up over time over wear. But that looks like already it's a sock that's kind of going to be, it's kind of, it's kind of going to talk, it's kind of going to turn into a pair of stockings pretty quickly. It feels like already, but maybe it could be just the angle. So maybe it's just me. The shorts look really good. I like the, 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 the look of the shorts. These really big pockets on the side are great. Um, 
I'm a big fan of cargo pants anyway. So any additional pockets I can stuff my fucking the contents of my Tesco meal deal um, in, I'm definitely going to be happy about that. So that looks great. Again, like I said, this hoodie, I feel like I've seen this before with the paneling and the logo placement and how the pockets, like, I don't know, I feel like I've seen that silhouette or something before maybe i'm too online or whatnot but i just feel like there's maybe a different way to kind of tell the story without it being kind of placed on a hoodie like this but again execution wise it looks fairly decent um i'm sure it's going to be decent quality as well because it does look like it's been cut and sewed and not just a piece that they kind of printed on easily um i feel like this look is probably a little bit too much of a ode or not too kind of what a cold war's doing i feel like graphic wise everything about it, it kind of feels like a little bit too much like a copy of a cold war if that was me personally speaking from it about it personally don't really like that um this t-shirt i'm a fan of the pants not so much again the tracksuit logo top thing i just don't like even though the colors are great um even though if i was being a stickler i'd say that maybe for some reason i'm not too sure why the color finish on the top and the bottom isn't the right the hue on the green maybe it's because of the color it's printed on maybe after it gets printed or screen pressed whatever it may be it doesn't take up as well but i don't like that the hue of the green is different it looks a bit weird there personally for me but um yeah the tracksuit stuff i just i don't know i'm kind of just over the tracksuit i think everyone's done it too much it's kind of been done to death and also i don't like this pose i feel like they should never do this pose again um it kind of it's kind of giving h&m it's kind of giving zara it's kind of giving, you know, boohoo men. I don't like this pose on slides. It kind of gives that, because I think boohoo men have that thing where they do a pose where the, the camera's like looking up from the feet. I don't get that, why you want to look like a fucking centaur or you can't well, you look like a transformer or some shit, but they've always got that angle where the camera's kind of looking from down above. I'd not really like that in the slightest. So that I'm not really too fond of. Um, the jacket here looks really cool. Hopefully we see another better look at that jacket if it's similar to the shorts. I feel like that's probably where they should be going. Even this knit or this sorry, this sweatshirt graphic is really cool. I love the look of that with the plastic chair. Oh, sorry, plastic, it looks like a plastic chair, but it's not. Yeah, I, I much prefer, if they were going to do tracksuits, I'd prefer this tracksuit here, look, in slide number 14, which essentially looks, instead of like a cotton sweatsuit, tracksuit it's more like a i don't know what you call it material wise uh nylon or whatever um type of shell suit type of vibe with some invisible pockets here on the front like invisible fastening like this looks really cool i love the look of this again it's maybe a little bit too a cold wall inspired and maybe what's that what's the other brand like um afix is kind of giving a little bit of afix and a cold wall but I still do like the execution of that slide number 14. Again, the sweatsuit for me is not the greatest. The hoodie's all right, but the t-shirt graphics are pretty decent, which I think they do really well in. And this jacket is also a win. This kind of like a uh, Macintosh type of jacket. It looks like it's really cool. I like the look of that with the embroidery on the front. And finally this as well with the bag. And that's something I have to highlight as well. I think the coolest thing that they did definitely over the years that i've kind of seen them or recently i guess seen them was this little initiative they did with these bags so i think it's this slide here i've got on this page so this is from a while back um they did this initiative where they basically would give people these free messenger bag type things if you brought in a book that kind of inspired you or something that kind of meant something to you so kind of a swap thing which kind of reminded me a lot of the my time when i went to nicaragua and i was kind of you know doing a little bit of traveling around there and a couple of the hostels I stayed in had that kind of system where if you wanted to take a book from their library, they have to kind of give a book or you could give a book to kind of just say, yeah, this is kind of meant something to me in my trip. And you usually kind of leave a note on the inside of it and just say, hey, this meant something to me. 
hopefully you get something from it as well and um you know that kind of book exchange sort of stuff is something that i've kind of loved over the years kind of how i built up a lot of my collection of books as well that i'm kind of into so i love the idea of like you know it being just more than just the clothes and having something a little bit more depth to it so this was really good that they did as well that kind of got my attention but again i think if you're able to execute something like this with this kind of foresight and insight i think you should do yourself a bit more of a service and have something more than just like the paneled you know sweatsuit type of look thing you can do more than that i think i think they've got more potential for it so hopefully they're able to do that going forward but so far so good the autonomy collection is going to be available when what does it say here any date here take a closer look um you keep an eye on the official brand for further release so deals it's not out yet at the moment but you can take a look at them if need be take a look at it if need be Moving on from that, what I want to talk about here, bear with me one second, we spoke about the Sambas, uh, we got some news here, Coach of um, Hype Beast, again regarding Ares, um, Clark's collaboration, um, I've been a little bit critical of the recent Ares collections, I felt like they've been a little bit lacking in any kind of inspiration and been a little bit all over the place, really and truly, but I really like this. I think these Clark's collaboration, they came out really, really, really good um, shoe-wise and how they kind of did them. Um, again, Clark's shoes in general are hard for me to wear because I'm a heavy stepper. I'm out there in the streets every single day doing my do. And sometimes um, wearing crepe soles from Clark's on a daily basis, they wear down very quickly. And the last thing I like is having those things where your heels at the back are all slanted and look all weird because you've been wearing your shoes into the ground too long so that's the only thing that i don't like about clocks but if you're able to have them in your rotation i feel like there's nothing that kind of beats that look or that aesthetic in your stuff that you have um for sure so i definitely loved what they have here got a pair of wallabies there that look really cool um loads of great little bits and pieces on top there it feels like there's some there's some sort of illustration on the crepe sole there may be a bit of pony hair here on the top of the toe box area. There's all these weird kind of accessories on the laces. Um, maybe this dude's actual laces that you can actually use. I'm not sure if they've been leather or if they're wax laces, but there's some bees on the end of them. I like the sock combo with the wallabies and some tags as well. So they kind of been covered with loads of weird haberdashery type shit in it. They kind of look like a random bar you'd walk into in Berlin or something that's been kind of spat all over the flipping clocks, but I like them because they look very distinctive and kind of match um what's it called matches their uh aries aesthetic even just the pictures themselves so this picture of this lady having a pair of wallabies laced on her head like a hat these look really really cool i like the whole um editorial of what they did and how they put them together so i like the look of these these look really cool i'd like to see them um regular normal product pictures so you can get a look at them there's also so there's also a long sleeve t-shirt tie-dye of course aries kind of like you know um, trademark here so that looks really good let's see the text courtesy of flipping hypebeaster says aries has turned up with clark's originals and hits the road and there's two reimagined clark's models the desert trip collection brings aries psychedelic touch to the wallabies and the desert trek the duo lands in a test store universe the british photographer douglas irvin pushes the collaboration into a dreamlike realm traveling to dung dungnees outlies in kent outlies in kent sorry sorry outlines coastlines again the clouds wallabies is captured on a maple combi suede uppers long hair toe box um featuring beaded lace um ornamentation ornamentation and illustrative hand tags they're going to be available for 180 pounds for a pair of clocks yo 180 
Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong, they're really fucking nice. You're not going to... The good thing about these collab, collabs, especially with brands like Clark's and Dr. Martin's and stuff, like you're not going to get these made GR, right? They're not going to suddenly have this colorway available to buy in the GR with this sort of like contrast stitching and shit. But 180 for a pair of Clark's is a little bit much, mate. Like, I'm not going to lie. Good as, these, as good as these look, it's a little bit much. These Charmin Clark's, right? These bad energy Clark's. Like they do look fairly decent. I'm not gonna lesser called. Don't don't be square all over them. So yeah, fairly decent. Um, but again, all over the place for me when it comes to Aries. Like, who would have guessed that this would have been a collab they would have put out? <laughs> all over the fucking place. But me like it. Me like it. All over the place and loud. Ah ha ha ha. What is saying here? Let's continue. Bubbity bubbity bah. Spoke about that. Spoke about this. Oh, when I covered these, of course. So these are already out. So, you know, and they're already sold out. So I'm a little bit late on these, but I want to just like give, you know, I want to give fucking Stussy their fucking flowers again. And they never absolutely, they never miss. They never fucking miss. And this collaboration, a recent one with Nike is another evidence of it. Nike and Stussy Vandals. Absolutely incredible. I don't think anybody was thinking about Vandals before Stussy decided to collab with Nike and bring these back to prominence again. I remember wearing Vandals uh, many years ago, back when I used to work at the fucking 1948 Nike store, back then in Shoreditch times. Those shoes were flipping hot in the streets. A few of the people I used to work with in the store, uh, specifically this guy called Miles, used to rock them amazingly well. He had actually these, um, these silver ones. Um, this guy used to work with Miles, my friend, back in the day used to wear them, and he used to make them look so good day to day and i love the shape essentially for me they're kind of like um um you know a better extension of a kind of an air force one i remember when i was first getting into shoes i didn't really like jordan ones because i felt like the silhouette was too thin um especially with my big heavy feet and shit i like the sole to be a bit thicker i like the toe box to be a bit wider and i feel like the jordan one silhouette was really really thin and I much preferred Air Force One highs to Jordan Ones, and another kind of um, compromise if I wanted a m bit more of a sleeker silhouette instead of an Air Force One was to get a Vandal, and the Vandals looked amazing because they could be worn. You know, they had basically the perfect height in terms of a high. They kind of sat just above the ankle. You had the ability to kind of wear them with the strap, and it didn't look dumb. Or you could wear the strap behind. You know, have them looped hanging off the back, or you could take them off and it looked still look great. But I just loved how simple the colorways were, like just these quintessential 80s easy colorways two to three colors really simple um, nice contrasting swoosh big panel big panels that you can kind of you know impose here on the top to kind of keep it going so when i saw that stussy collabed with nike on these i was like oh my god he's bring back so many great memories and i just love what they did with them they've got a pair that look like off that look kind of a white colorway they've got a navy one and they've also got a black um as well and they've kind of been done in a very classic, um, easy colorway to see here. White and black, blue, um, nice kind of crisp white midsole. And what I also like about them is the extra laces. They've got some really cool extra laces on them that kind of spruce up the look, as you can see, all sold out in record time. Um, and again, these are a shoe that aren't the most popular. They aren't like super hyped and stuff. This is like a heads shoe. And I also like the fact that the swoosh has been, um, has been embroidered instead of being the regular swoosh what you'd have kind of on a regular vandal which is maybe like a leather with the you know with the bordering around it this has kind of been embroidered which kind of look, makes it look really really cool um and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the stussy type of script sign or whatever maybe but this really looks good so essentially i think if we're looking at the upper it looks like it's a it's a cotton 
or like a hemp or something. I'm not too sure what the upper material is, but I do like the fact that the swoosh itself has been embroidered because you get this kind of like janky almost look to it, which I kind of like. It kind of looks a little bit sketchy and a little bit booky. I mean, a little bit fugazi. I'm not really too mad at that. The foam tongue is a nice little detail as well. Um, the strap, back leather, heel tab is nice little addition. Nice crisp blue outsole. You've got the Stussy 8-Ball logo on the tongue, which all the kids on TikTok seem to love this logo for some reason. I see kids painting this, making furniture out of this, like cutting the 8-Ball on the side of their head. I honestly don't know why this fucking logo has captured the imagination of fucking teenagers on tiktok but they love this Stussy eight ball logo they absolutely love it maybe it's a jumper but anyway yeah and then you've got the additional strap that comes with it with a pair of orange laces as well but i feel like they look really great um the blues are probably the the favorites i think for most people but my favorite is definitely the black colorway the black colorway is definitely my favorite with this kind of like silver um embroidered swoosh here on the side they look so so good personally I love the way they look here. So let's see the details. Actually, what is it? Is it brushed cotton? Uh, is it hemp like I thought it was or not? Or am I mistaken? Again, the black on there looks so, so good. Let's see what they say on the details here on the page. Embroidered swoosh, nylon tongue with exposed foam detailing. Two pairs of la extra laces, extra ankle strap, faux leather, heel tab, hemp up. Yeah, I knew it was hemp. I knew it was something like that. I should have called it. See, my sneaker knowledge is too good. Oh, look at the back detail too with a massive silver heel tab. These look great. I'm sure most people watching this just probably won't like them, but I love the way these look, man. These look so, so, so amazing to me anyway, personally. But yeah, these look flipping great. Um, I love the black colorway. But again, it doesn't matter what I think because look at that sign down below, mate. Sold out. All gone. Um, 100 quid as well. Absolute bargain. But yeah, Stussy don't miss. They don't get the credit they deserve. Because I guess there's a lot of people, you know, still slubbering on the knob of Ami Leondor and stuff. But Stussy know what they do when it comes to collabs. They never, ever miss. They're always flipping hard. Um, they always flipping look really good. And they sell pretty well. Good retail price. Easy to wear. Just great fucking shoes. And again, I wish I actually had an idea of purchasing these. But these look really incredible. So big up Stussy for always putting together a decent flipping Nike collab. And keeping their proverbial foot on these blood clot people's necks. Proverbial foot on their necks. Next on the list here that i wanted to mention was this courtesy of sneaker news it looks like for me maybe maybe this is odd to say because these are probably going to be the most expensive version of these shoes ever seen especially with the lack of materials but this might be the final nail in the coffin for solomon shoes or salomon shoes sorry i always promote them wrong it's solomon salomon shoes because these salomons like if you live in i don't know in trendy parts of the world i'm sure you've seen these shoes everywhere and i felt like they've been absolutely rinsed and i'm kind of over them already <clears throat> but it looks like margella's latest that latest iteration iteration of these shoes these kind of mules style of shoes might be the final nail in the coffin people might finally say enough is enough because these look absolutely horrendous I don't know whoever said they needed a pair of Salomon mules to go out and hiking and stuff or to walk the dog or whatnot, but these are insanely diabolical and they're probably going to be like 400 pounds or something. These are absolutely heinous. So this is courtesy of Sneaker News. It says MM6, Maison Margiela, Solomon XT4s um, in a mule. 
They were debuted recently during the resort, I think, collection of MM6, which is the kind of diffusion line of Margella. Um, the black pair with the Margella logo on the front of the toe is probably going to do crazy well because of how obvious the fucking logo is if you're into that sort of stuff. This colorway actually is absolutely beautiful. There's like a white with a green with a purple colorway. This is really nice. But again, it's a mule. Um, so that mule type of style of shoe... I think might be the foul nail in the coffin for the fucking Salomon XTs in all the iterations. I'm fucking over them because I don't know who needs a, you know, exploring, hiking boot or shoe or walking shoe in general with an exposed back. Are you meant to wear them without the socks? With the socks? I don't really know, but these are so heinous, they're so d disastrous that I feel like this might be the foul nail in the coffin um, for these shoes, hopefully, because they've just been everywhere. Like, I feel like every person, every other second person I see down the street walking around has a pair on. I can kind of understand the utility of them because they are really a kind of the best shoe to wear in a city like London or in a place like the UK, especially with our temperamental weather. It's always wet, it's always dreary and whatnot, so... If you do need something to wear all day round, these are probably a good option because they're essentially waterproof, water resistant. Um, and for the most part, from what I've heard, once you break them in, they're really comfortable. But it just feels like every Tom, Dick and fucking Harry has a pair. Or as Brennan will say, every slapstick and Harry, they all have them. And I'm just tired like enough can we each get our own kind of personalities and maybe think for ourselves and decide that we don't like them maybe that's a thing but again like i said one of the colorways here this kind of white and green colorway is fucking banging so if they can make this colorway in a regular model fair enough but i'm just fucking tired of the silhouette overall i'm done with it please finish kill it throw it in the bin chuck it in the middle of the street hang it up you know lace them together and hang them off a fucking basketball hoop or something but enough is enough please enough no more solomons no more salomons whatever they may be called i do not care it's over with them it's done with them please leave it alone please for the love of god leave them alone but again you know when it comes to sort of stuff i don't really know much i really 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 don't know much then moving on from that one Quickie went to feature Bene Culture. Um, recent second summer drop here, courtesy of Hypebeast, which looks very decent. I have a couple of hoodies from Bene Culture that I got from my old workplace that I absolutely love, actually. Especially this navy hoodie that I wear from time to time um, that is really good quality. So it's, I'm always kind of keeping an eye on Bene Culture. Um, actually, talking about tracksuits, I don't know I've written before, but this one on the right here looks really nice. I love how oversized the sweatpants are. To be fair, the color of the flipping jumper is really cool. And so is the logo. So maybe my kind of hesitancy on tracksuits is more so on the execution and not so much on the item itself. The t-shirt here on the right looks really great with the different eyes. Um, graphic, that's really nice. The short sleeve shirt type of thing, I'm not really too down for. Maybe it's more of a festival wear type of vibe. But I feel like, you know, that season of me having like patterned shirts like that is probably over. But that t-shirt graphic looks really great. And again, of it in black. And the sweatpants again with the Benny Culture logo there on the side look fairly cool. Actually, I quite like that shirt. Now with that model's wearing it on the left, I'll definitely wear the fuck out of that. With the Benny Globe type of logo. I'm pretty much on that. I'm not going to lie. That shirt looks really good. That's a very, very good um, festival season skank to a shirt to have on. You know what I mean? 
whilst I'm out there pretending to smoke cigarettes, coughing all over the place, coughing my lungs all over the fucking shirt, um, you know, geeking off or whatever shit I may have ingested. <laughs> That's actually maybe a good idea. So I actually do like the look of this second drop from them. Um, when's it going to be available? It's probably available now already, isn't it, right? It's available from June 2nd. It should be available now on the website. Let's actually double check this and see what the prices are saying. I'm assuming it's going to be pretty decently priced. Last time I checked, Bernay Culture don't, you know, it's they don't kind of fleece their fucking customers. They do try and make it somewhat manageable. So let's see what the retail prices are saying on flipping Bernay Culture's website here as I let it load up. You've got the Globe logo, collection all. It's coming up here. It's coming. And yeah, okay, cool. Pretty decent. See, this is the brands I want to support. Brands like this. The sweatshirt is £45. The sweatpants are 40 the shirt that I wanted for like festival season is is uh, it's obviously sold out, which makes sense because it's only fucking seventy five pounds, which is really good for like a cost for like a you know a, a shirt from a independent you know up and coming streetwear brand that you're not gonna see from any other brand out. It's not like buying a shirt from fucking you know the high street brands or whatnot. It's something that's gonna be a little bit different from what you usually get from brands. The shirt with the eyes is thirty two. The one I said I wanted as well. That was nice. That's a good price as well for a t-shirt. Like, Bene Culture got some really good prices here. They're incredibly underrated for what they do. I like what I'm seeing here. 32 for the t-shirt. Got another t-shirt here. A good little poster. Have you seen Bene Culture? A nice little starter pack for stickers, which you can stick some, you know, DRGUSs in it. Nice hoodie. Some good little pants here. All rounder pants that look great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all this shit. I'm not going to lie. Bene Culture is pretty sick. Might have to give some of this stuff a look. Might have to open my flipping wallet and get some more of this stuff from them because this looks really nice. I like the look of this, man. That Hindi shirt logo is busting as well. I love the look of that. Also, this cactus logo as well looks pretty decent. But yeah, I'm a fan of that. That all-rounder jacket. Okay, all-rounder pants is the same print as this um, Domino, maybe Anorak, I think. Maybe that's a top and a bottom you can maybe put together. You know me, and I'm black. I like to have a little bit of a up and down sort of style of clothing. But yeah, Bene Culture looks pretty decent. Check it out if you haven't already. Um, cool little bits and pieces here. But of course, the standout definitely is this shirt, um, this button-up shirt, and this short sleeve shirt here on the right. They're definitely the ones that are holding it down for the entire entire collection. Um, what else I want to talk about here? Oh yeah, I got this as well. And to talk about this is courtesy of Hype Beast regarding Tyler the Creator's La Fleur um globe trotting suitcases and shit. Um I don't know about these. I think obviously most of my knowledge on trunks and suitcases um has come from Louis Vuitton. That's the only time I used to see them because I remember back in the day Pharrell and Nigo would collect those things. Um and they obviously go for loads of money and they're very chic and shit, but I don't know. This I've never in my head thought. Oh, I want to take a briefcase on holiday, on holiday with me to use as carry on. I guess maybe because I'm so used to having like free form bags that you can kind of stuff loads of shit into. And for some reason, I feel like with a sort of trunk um, style of luggage, you won't be able to fit as much in it as you would with a traditional roller. Or maybe I'm mistaken. I'm not too sure. They do look really cool though. Tyler does a really good job of making a really nice trunk that you can go on holiday with. Um, in terms of this, the design. I love the diff different um, leather uh, patches here. Obviously, I guess to help in terms of it get transported around the spin. It's got wheels on it as well. So I love the mix of the, you know, updating it with the wheels and the handle, but then having it look like a vintage trunk. 
And the good thing about these trunks, I'm imagining, the more you use it day in, day out, the more it gets kind of thrown around, you know, by staff at the fucking airport and shit, the more it's going to look better. And you actually add some stickers on it and shit, or they stick stickers on it when you're going through the airport. Like, it looks fairly cool, but again, I don't know, day-to-day use would be a bit of a change for me to start wearing trunks or to start carrying them day-to-day. Because I do, I do want to get to a point in life where I'm able to go on holiday and actually pack for the weekend and have it all in a backpack. Because I admire those people so much who turn up to airports, they're waiting with you um, to board the plane and they just have a tote bag or like a really big duffel or something. You're like, fucking hell. I'm ca- I mean, I just, I just checked in some luggage. I've got a backup backpack on me. I've got another carry. Like, I've got all this stuff. And you see these guys that just rock up like carefree eating a sandwich listening to something on the way like just carefree with a little tote bag like fucking hell how do you do that <laughs> that's like that's like magic <laughs> to do that shit i swear to god yeah jackie natashki knows i'm checking in luggage is the worst especially me i like to like take outfits especially when i go out like i have like that's, i'm the worst because i'll take luggage with me i'll take out i have outfits in mind that i'm gonna wear and then i'll then when i get there i just wear the same shit so all that brain power used and stressed to figure out what to wear day to day and end up wearing the same shit that I wear all the time. It's fucking annoying. I absolutely hate myself sometimes, but these look really cool. I like the look of these, actually. Let's read the article. Um, it says, Mark and the Geo, a second collaboration, title creator and Globetrotter add a vibrancy to the latter's four-wheel trunks. The items are available in small and large sizes featuring luxurious handmade leather exterior with deboss straps in orange and blue. Pink, brown and green corner covers protect your bag from external circumstances while golden hardware accents every detail including padded side locks and top harnesses. Inside you'll find Lafleur signature pixelated leopard print in- alongside foiled branding and flexibly Clo- flexible clothing straps. Tyler Creators Lafleur's Global Trail Collection, which will launch June 1st, in store and online, both brands for 1695 Oof, not cheap, in it? So small is 1600 and large is 2295 which is probably about the same price you're going to pay for a Ramoa. So I guess you just have to decide are you a Ramoa person? Are you like a hard shell, aluminium type person? Or are you a leather trunk styler person? You have to decide one or the other. You, I guess you're not going to be both, I'd imagine, unless you're spending fucking five grand on two pieces of luggage. That's pretty wild. But yeah, the prices, you know, are what they are. But I think in general, you're going to get a good little use out of them. They're going to look a bit unique. And the good thing about them also, you're going to know instantly when someone steals your luggage because there's not going to be a lot of people out there that are going to be carrying leather trunks with them on holiday, especially not nowadays. So you do have that kind of protection. And like I said, I think with it being leather, over time they're gonna wear it it's gonna wear in so well it's gonna look a flipping amazing over time the more you flipping wear it and stuff so i'm not mad at that in the slightest i can't lie i'm not mad at that in the slightest anyways i think i'm done for now my friends that has been me ranting and raving about flipping clothes and nonsense things as per usual hopefully you have enjoyed the show for what it is for now i hope that you have um, if it's your first time checking out the show and you're watching this live please do me a favor and like the stream that'd be great appreciated if you're listening to it after the fact via the podcast apps all you have to do is leave me a five-star review and i'll be more than grateful for that but if you don't i also understand and i'll be back again very very soon with more of these shows um but for now if you listen to the show on audio you shall hear my tune today coming in underneath 
if you're watching this via the live stream you won't hear nothing it will just fade to black and i'll completely disappear so thank you again for tuning in been a pleasure and i'll see you guys again very very soon pick up the string chat for tuning in as well appreciate all of you in there and i'll see you guys again very very soon peace and take care bye who told you bad man don't dance who told you gangsters don't dance even with a whap on my hip i dance bad man take another sip and dance two left feet don't trip and dance the girl want me i might give her a chance give her a look she give me a glance she wore that tight dress just to enhance you like a bum bum never seen you before where you come from you got a fat boom boom i got a long johnson and i will never met you at random this must be destiny that's why you're next to me you feel like ecstasy this must be destiny, that's why you're next to me, you feel like ecstasy Who told you bad man don't dance? Who told you gangsters don't dance? Even with a whap on my hip I dance Bad man take another sip and dance Two left feet don't trip and dance The girl want me, I might give her a chance Give her a look, she give me a glance She wore that tight dress just to enhance Touch my forehead, chest, left shoulder, then right side Pray my brothers are good outside I know the vibes, I know the vibes You're the one girl, stop rolling eyes I find love and it slowly dies So lie up, I don't make my eye cry Let me hold your controller I'm not one of these controlling guys I want you to touch, roll with the girls, them and socialize Enjoy your life, your backside is so fit It opens eyes, I know the vibes, I know the vibes Just cause I'm not jealous Doesn't mean I don't care that's just not fair I knew you were trouble I wasn't prepared If I were married This might turn a scandalous affair Trouble is there Trouble is there Trouble been right there Trouble is there Trouble gon' find me anywhere Trouble gon' find me Bubble and wine Trouble gon' find me Trouble will find me anywhere Trouble will find me Trouble will find me it's okay, girl, bubble and wine me They want me dead, but don't remind me Both hands around you, it's not tiny Who told you bad man don't dance? Who told you gangsters don't dance? Even with a whap on my hip, I dance Bad man take another sip and dance Two left feet don't trip and dance The girl want me, I might give her a chance Give her a look, she give me a glance She wore that tight dress just to enhance If you come close, I'ma explode Got there carrying a heavy load Wind your waist in a semicircle Getting money fast, man's not a turtle Had to go through so many hurdles Block so hot like inferno Had some issues that were internal Had a mad life, I could write a journal But I can't lie, I love the journey Me and the money had matrimony All the ratchet girl want pattern up All the posh girl get ratchet for me If you love me, you clap before me If you throw it, I catch it, trust me Girl come from far, even up, sir I want the best, not come see, come sir